Hello and welcome to an episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka production of Article 15. At Article 15, we are attempting to bring more awareness and an end to the 22 veterans who commit suicide every day. We talk to everyday veterans about everyday issues of acclimating back to civilian life. Today we have Navy Corpsman, second class petty officer, Josh Gardner. Josh is in New Hampshire, served from 1997 to 2003. He was on the green side. We won't hold that against them. You know, Marines need their docs as well. He was with 2nd Mardiv, 2nd Battalion over in Camp Lejeune, a.k.a. the Swamps. And uh, Doc, welcome aboard, brother. Oh, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you having me. Of course, man. Of course, especially uh, my docs. I have a soft place in my heart for them. I I've learned how to be able to take so many ibuprofens at one time, <laughs> and it is it's comical. It is comical, but at the same time, possibly damaging to my stomach. Ah, <laughs> taking uh, two ibuprofen eight hundreds and then a rip it in the morning. You know. <laughs> That's that's the way to get the day started. I, I so that's funny. One of my videos, they said, "Tell me you're a veteran without telling me you're a veteran." I grabbed a bottle of ibuprofen, and they were like 200 milligrams, and I just yeah. threw it back like it was no business. And I do that. I, I I wind up doing that around some of my buddies that I work with now. I'll see that they have like the 200 milligrams, so I'll pop out three, four, five of those and just right. throw them back and drink them. And my doc used to tell me, Doc Redding, HM. Yeah. He was HM2, HM3, HMN, HN. <laughs> he kept going down. He'd t- say, take it with a Mountain Dew because it breaks it down faster. <laughs> and so that's where we were at. But uh, right. so, Doc, man, 97, bro. What was going on? What made you decide to join the uh, the Navy? So I was typical kid up here in New Hampshire. Nothing to do. I lived in a podunk town called Barnstead. And, uh, yeah. I was that kid, you know, I was doing nothing. Graduated high school. I was still living at my parents' house, moved out, started getting into a shit ton of trouble, uh, drugs, everything. And I, my parents came and picked me up actually and said, you're coming back home. We got to fix this. And I started working with uh, my dad doing construction still really just felt like I was going nowhere and just happened to saw a commercial for, believe it or not, the army. And I was like, you know what? Be all that you can be. Right. Right. And so I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to go down and talk to the recruiter. So my mom brought me to Concord, New Hampshire, and there was a whole recruiting uh, everything was in there, Army, Navy, Marine Corps. Only thing that wasn't there was Coast Guard. At the time, I was really overweight. I was like 280, not going to lie. I was a big boy, you know, 6'3", 280. And when I walked in, uh, the Marine Corps guy was sitting, he was standing out front, and he looked at me and he said, don't even try to come in here. And I was That's like, oh. terrible. 
was like, all right, no problem. And then uh, I, I understood. I went in, so I went into the army guy and he sat me down and he's like talking to me and he was being really cool and stuff. And he goes, yeah, you know, you're going to have to drop some weight before you go. And I said, Oh, of course, you know, and he goes, I need you to drop like 40 pounds in like a month and a half. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I was like, all right, let me think about it. And then I walked out and I'll never forget. He, uh, uh, Daryl, what was his name? I forget his last name. McConaughey. Um, anyways, he was in an Airedale for the Navy. And he was like, did everybody turn you down? I said, yeah. He goes, why don't you come on in here, son? <laughs> and he goes, we'll take you. let me sit down and talk to you. And he's talking to me and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, Navy's the way to go. It really is. You know, you don't really want to deal with the Army. You don't want to go with the Marine, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Navy's the way to go. So he talked me into it, and I signed up that day. He goes, I don't care about your weight. I'll work with you. We'll get you down, and then we'll pick you a job and then send you out for boot camp. I said, okay. So I went down to Boston, uh, Mass, took my MEPS, took the ASVAB. I scored really well. I forget what I got, like a 90 or something like that. But I was just fresh out of high school. So obviously, mm -hmm. so, so I went back and he goes, oh, wow, you know, you can pretty much choose a job you want in the Navy. And he goes, he kept trying to push me to go to nuke. And I was like, uh-uh, I ain't going to nuke. I said, I don't well, want to. That's where the signing bonuses. Is. I, they were huge. There was 65,000 then. And, I and that was, was like, the 90s. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, my God. But I said, I don't want to go two more years of school. And I said, Ugh. and he goes, well, we got all these other jobs. And I was really, really interested in cryptology because I that's what I scored the highest on in my ASVAB was like codes or whatever. And I was really interested yeah. in it. And he uh, the deployment uh, for the I, I guess the fill wasn't there. And it wasn't going to be like, I wouldn't leave for like another eight, nine months for boot camp. And I was like, I, I can wait, but I can't wait that long because I'm that type of guy where I'll change my mind, you know? And so I was like, all right. And he goes, we have two other things. He goes, I have a master at arms apprenticeship. And then I have what's called a corpsman. I said, well, what's master at arms? He goes, it's like a cop and everything, but you're not guaranteed that C school. It's only apprenticeship. He goes, and if they don't take you, you know, you could be, please, no offense, but you're going to end up being a deck ape. And <laughs> yeah, know, no, 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 mate. That's right. That's, That's right. right. We'll take you. Paint chipper. And so uh, I was like, uh, I didn't want to take that chance. So I said, what's Corman? He goes, it's the medical field. And he goes, it's a lot different than the army. He goes, Corman are trained to do everything. And I said, huh. And uh, my uncle was a Marine. He was a Marine in Vietnam. And he always told me, when you go to the military, always pick a job in case you hate the military and you get out and you can do it in the civilian world. So, yeah. All right. So I said, all right, I'll take corpsman. And uh, he says, but if you take corpsman, you have to do instead of four, you got to do five. And he goes, because all the training you receive, they want you to do an extra year. I said, okay, I can do that. So I did. I dropped 47 pounds before boot camp. Okay. And 
I ran every day, walked eight, nine miles, whatever. Went to boot camp, Great Lakes, Illinois. And uh, apparently I went during the best time because I, I got there in April and we graduated July 4th weekend. Okay, so cool. We had like an extra day of liberty. It was awesome. And uh, right from there, went uh, graduated there, went right across the street to core school. Loved it. Loved core schools. Core school was great. Um, and it, so here's, here's the best story. So in core school, um, everyone's like, okay, it's time to choose orders. I'm like, oh, awesome. Send me the Corps. That's all I wanted to do. Send me the Marine Corps. Send me the Marine Corps. And they're like, well, all right, you got to choose two other things. Well, I saw Road to Spain was open. I picked that. I'm like, who wouldn't want to live in Spain? Come on. Right. And then um, he goes, you need to pick a C school. And I said, all right, cardio tech was available. I'm thinking, well, if I ever got out working, you know, I was like, wow, yeah. that's, that'd be great. So I signed up for that. Orders came. And then I got called down to the, the office for the lieutenant. And he goes, Gardner, I'm so sorry, but you didn't get anything you picked. And I was like, what? And he goes, in this place you're going, I've never heard of. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. And I'm like, you've <laughs> never heard of it? So I'm like, oh, God, where am I going? And the first thing I thought I was, I was going to Diego Garcia or something like that. You know, that little, that little blimp somewhere out in the middle of the ocean. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. He goes, so you're going to go to this place called Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I was like, what? I said, did my mom call you? And he goes, what? I'm like, my mom called you, right? And influenced you with something. And he goes, no, why? I said, I legitimately live 30 minutes from there. And he goes, are you serious? I'm like, oh, yeah, join the Navy. See the world. Guess what? You're going home. <laughs> my first duty station was in Maine at the shipyard. And I'm like, you got to be effing shitting me. And I was like, oh, come on. So I was, he goes, well, you're only going there, TAD. You're going there seven months. And then that ain't uh, bad. I was like, all right. So I went home and that was bad because I started hanging out with all my buddies again. Yeah. And, and I was like, and that was the trouble. And I was like, you know what? No, I, I worked too hard for this. So I just kept my nose clean. And then uh, from there, I got my orders uh, greenside. I had to go to field med school first, which was cool. Uh, I went to field med uh, beginning of 98. And uh, from right out of field med, I got uh, orders to go second Mardin right across the street. And I was like, sweet, I'm home. And I loved it. I was greenside. I, I FMF. I went Marine Corps regs. Because uh, I got in the best shape of my life. Everything was great. Um, it, it was just like a nine to five. You know, yeah. nothing was going on at the time. I mean, Riding around Afghanistan, on your golf cart. Was, Afghanistan was starting to pick up a little bit in 98. And it just started to, you know, pick up a little bit in 98, 99. And uh, then 2000, you know, 9-11 hit. And everything was on lockdown at the base. And yeah. um, we got, uh, what was it, 
two months, three months after we got orders that we were going to get deployed and we were going to go to Kuwait and um, yeah, yeah, Kuwait and to help with uh, first smart div. And I said, okay, cool. And so we did started training and that was the first time I started, uh, I did do uh, fast repel, you know, and uh, first time I did it and I'm like, okay, doc, your turn, get on the rope, jump down. And I'll never forget uh, this kid, Hulebeck PFC uh, didn't wait. And he went right on top of me and he was kind of like the show off of the group. And so when he was sliding down the rope, what he liked to do was kick his feet out and think that he's a tough guy, you know, just hanging on by two hands. Well, he slipped. And when he dropped, he hit me. And, like, his feet hit my K-Pock and everything. And down I, I dropped, like, I don't know, 10, 11 feet to the ground. Jeez. And uh, I don't know if you can see it. I still have all the major scars and shit. That's like Oh, from- man. Yeah, I see it. That's when my knee came right through the skin and everything. Oh, my God. And everything. And um, we were getting ready to deploy. And at first, I didn't think anything had happened, honestly, because I was in shock. I didn't know. I hit the ground, and I was like, okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. And then I just started to sweat really bad. And uh, so I went to get up because I was on the ground. I couldn't, obviously. And I looked down at my camis. And my leg is soaked and I'm going, that's not good. So I pull out the K bar. I cut my pant leg open and I'm looking at my knee ball, like legitimately looking at the bones and I'm going, what the fuck? And I'm like, this isn't happening. I'm like, this isn't happening. And I kept telling myself, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. I'm getting ready to deploy. I have to deploy. I have to deploy. I have to deploy. These are, when you become a doc and you become so close to, and I hate to say this and everyone's going to make fun of me or whatever, but you become mom, you become mom of the group. You wipe their noses. You, you know, you, I learned everything about my Marines. Like who was afraid of this? Who was afraid of that? Cause Gunny, uh, Gunny Chapman came up to me and he said, listen, when we deploy, I'm going to count on you to make sure that my Marines are okay. And so I want you to learn everything you can about them just so that the shit hits the fan, you know what's going on. And I said, okay, I got you. And then uh, we were supposed to deploy in like a month. And I'm like, there's no way. So ambulance came, picked me up. I was, uh, I went into surgery that night and then uh, had what, two more. And I was in the hospital in traction and my guys were getting ready to deploy and they had to pick up another corpsman. Then they picked a, a boot just right out of, uh, you know, field yeah. med school who didn't know them, who didn't train with them. Not that, you know, he was a bad corpsman or anything, but he didn't, he didn't have the experience that I had with my guys. And I, I felt responsible. And so they deployed without me and I stayed behind and a lot of them didn't make it back. And it's my fault. It's not your fault, man. 20 years later, I, 
Eric, Jeff, Mark, they're dead because that Corman freaked and he hid white Marines for her and it's my fault. It's not your fault, Josh. Look at me, Doc. Hey, look at me. You couldn't have done anything. Okay? Look at me. Seriously, look at me. You're here right now, okay? Yeah. Don't you dare take that away from them. There's nothing that you can do about that right now. There's nothing you can do. This is not your fault. This is not your fault. So I, um, and when they came back, you know, and I, I greeted, um, when the, uh, C-130 came back with their remains, I was the one, uh, I was the one to greet them and, uh, oh God, stupid VA. Sorry, the VA keeps calling me and it keeps going to my uh, <laughs> iPad. You know, and, that's not uh, a bad thing to have. Some guys wish they can get their VA call back, you know? Oh, it's because I just lit them up. That's why they're calling me. <laughs> oh, I got you. And um, it, uh, Eric's dad was there. Um, and then the two wives, the other guys. And I just, I'm in crutches. And I mean, I just fell to the ground and I kept apologizing to them. And said that I was so sorry. And um, I mean, who knows? I might not have made it to who knows. And, you know, I can't say anything because I might have freaked out. Who knows? I, I'll never know. But, you can't uh, play the what if game, man. The what if I, game is going to ruin you. You oh, need to does. know that you are here today. Okay. You're here today. And what you can do is help the other vets, man. That's what. That's why I'm, I'm on here. Because I, 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 somebody's got to hear it. And if I can help just one person, just one, you know, hear my story and, you know, maybe not decide to be one of the 22, you know, then, you know, maybe I could feel and sleep a little better. But um, so um, Marine Corps didn't want nothing to do with me after. They're like, you can't do your job. So it's as I'm sorry, but it's like a business. If you can't do your job, we got to get someone that can. And I said, okay. So they uh, shipped me from Camp Lejeune and sent me back to Great Lakes. So I went to Naval Hospital, Great Lakes. And um, what they did was they were going to let me finish out my tour instead of just med stepping me right away. Cause that's what I wanted to do. I, I fought hard. I'm like, I really want to be, I, I worked really hard to be part of this. I don't want to get kicked out just now. Yeah. I said, at least let me finish out my tour. I had like two years left. I'm like, I can work in a hospital. I can do this. I can do that. I said, just let me finish. So at least I know I completed it, you know, and uh, I didn't get out early. So they did. They shipped me back, and then I started working at the USS Red Rover recruiting processing. <laughs> Wait, when 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 were you at Red Rover? Uh, 
2001 to yeah 2003 okay you and i we might have to have words all right i'm gonna give you a heads up right now i went through there in april of 02 and i will throw hands with you if i have to okay no shit so i probably either drew your blood or gave you your shots I had to go through that stupid hallway in which you guys just kept shooting us up with shit just to make it to the end where we get a nice big old shot in the shot ass. Shot in the ass, by Oh, it was terrible. I so, remember one of the recruits, they put, they have all of us standing around one freaking table, putting our hands up there, and we all drop our drawers right there, and they would come by with the swab. And they would swab yeah. one of the butt cheeks, and they went to go swab one of these guys' butt cheeks, and he completely freaked out. He's just like, ah! <laughs> like, he thought he was getting the shot. shot. So if I had recruits in there that were mouthing off, like, you know, those, like, they think they're tough guys. Yeah. And I said, okay, I got you. I got your number. So what I used to do was when he'd come up for his shot that or whoever was messing up, I would take one right out of the freezer and not let it warm up. And I would give him that shot right in the ass and they would leave like a big, huge golf ball on his ass. And I'd be like, I thought you were a tough guy there, buddy. Huh? I knew you guys took pleasure in this shit. You guys are. Yes, weird. we did. <laughs> yes, we did. I'm not going to lie. So that's when my downward, downward spiral started to happen. Uh, started drinking a lot um i used to have to be at work at three in the morning because that's when you guys would start rolling through around three three thirty yeah. and i would be at the bar till 12 30 one would that be finnegan's or flanagan's uh, or whatever it is no i i know that one but it would be mr b's which was out that sounds familiar it's right on um martin luther king so you know where yeah, the base I don't is. go over I don't go over that way very often. Okay. Well, you know where the base is and then um yeah. not not boot camp side, but the main side with the hospital. Yeah, the base. NTC. I know MLK is a little bit further north on that main strip that both of the uh the um the NTC is on. I know yes. it just it's like right outside the uh, NEX and stuff. Yes, exactly. But I was on the hot but if you go outside that gate and you take a right on MLK and you go down about a half a mile, there was this little tiny like hole in the wall bar called Mr. B's. And it was like the type of bar where everyone puts a dollar bill on the ceiling, staples it up there and writes their name and stuff gotcha. like that. That was my, I lived there and yeah, I would drink till the bar would close. And then I would walk back to main side, walk back to my barracks, take a shower, throw my uniform on, and then I would go to muster three o'clock. Uh, usually LT would, you know, read what's going on for the day, how many recruits, whatever. And uh, I'm not going to lie, dude, I'd be drawing somebody's blood and I'd still be shit faced because I didn't want to deal with the fucking pain anymore. And so I started getting in trouble. I was drinking. I was showing up late. So they, sat me down and said, listen, you're going to ship up or we're going to, we're going to boot you right out of here. And at the time I didn't care anymore. And I was like, well, you guys got to do what you got to do. And so I was getting out in like four months, but during then 
it was kind of like a it was weird uh a lot of people were getting deployed but yet they were still letting people out early or whatever and since i got in trouble the last time and i went up to captain's mast he said well i'm gonna do you a favor i said oh yeah he goes as of next week you're out of the navy he goes well honorably discharge you and you know you you know because everything but we're gonna let you go and you can't re-enlist and i said okay so i left there and um had nowhere to go didn't want to come home because i didn't want to come home failure and this and that and i had you know rough childhood with the parents and everything and and I, you know, you think I can do everything. I'm fine. Oh, whatever. So I was homeless for a little bit. And then a uh, guy I was, that I uh, served with at the USS Red Rover, HM2 Joey Willis, took me in. Him and his wife, they gave me a room. They gave me a place to stay. You know, they fed me, tried to help me get a job. But I was too far gone, I think. And so uh, it was the anniversary of when I joined the military, April 27th, that following year after I got out, I grabbed a bottle of booze and a bunch of pills. And I drank the bottle of booze and took a shit ton of Ambien and thought I was out in some park somewhere. I was in, uh, where was I? Uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I sat in some, there was like a park in the middle of downtown because I didn't want Joey and his wife to find me. I just figured I'd drink the bottle of booze and swallow these pills and, you know, some cop or somebody will find me and uh, drank the bottle of booze. I swallowed a shit ton of pills and I got sleepy. I fell asleep. And sitting down next to a slide. And then the weirdest thing happened. I woke up. I was puking my guts up, but I woke up. And I was like, okay. Uh, police showed up because I guess somebody called. And I'm still kind of like out of it a little bit. And didn't really know what was going on and blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, okay. I failed at my military career and now I just, and this sounds so stupid. I just failed at killing myself and I felt like such a loser and you being a police officer, I'm sorry to say this, but I thought maybe I could get them to shoot me and it would just be all over. And I started to, you know, be combative and blah, blah, blah. And they maced me, um, subdued me, uh, handcuffed me and brought me in. And, uh, one of the cops was a Marine and he, uh, he brought me down to the police station and they threw me in the drunk tank and asked me what's going on. And I told them what had happened. And, so they called an ambulance right away just to make sure I didn't, you know, die there. And then they brought me to the hospital. And then um, from the hospital, uh, they pumped my stomach 
And from there, they shipped me to the state hospital in Wisconsin. I was there for like, I don't know, a month. And I got better. And uh, But they didn't really... it's so weird they don't civilian great but they don't get it i i know um wasn't deployed and i I didn't have combat experience or anything like that but that pain i was feeling was real especially losing my friends and i just felt like such a failure and um so they don't get how to fix you with that um so they let me out um I had to go to court and court said, um, you need to go home. You need to find a place. You can't stay here anymore. I said, okay. So um, for them to let me out of the hospital, uh, my parents had to claim me. So they did. um, The state of Wisconsin bought me a plane ticket and they flew me home. And then went back to my parents' house. That was a shit show because uh, uh, my stepdad and everything, he just was disappointed in me, I guess you could call it. And, you know, you're a man, you're supposed to be tough, you're in the military, and I was broken. Um, so I went from job to job, like every other veteran does. Don't know my place in the world. Um, was drinking again, started doing drugs, Anything I could do just to numb the pain. So a couple of years go by. I'm doing okay. I met a girl. Was not a right fit for me. But she took me in and cared for me. And we started dating. And uh, I'm a pretty loyal person. So we started dating. And uh, things were going okay. Uh still drinking doing a lot of you know going from job to job but she supported me and at the beginning and uh i felt like i owed it to her so we got married and all the wrong reasons and i was in a horrible marriage for like 10 years uh she was not the person that was good for me because she would belittle me all the time like you know like if we ever got into a fight and she'd be like well she'd throw shit like well i'm not the reason your buddies are dead stuff like that so i would that would kill me and i would go through slumps i would go downhill but then i would go right back up and when i was up i was up and things were good and i um i went to i said you know what i gotta better myself So I went to school. I used my GI Bill and I went to school for HVAC because I was done being a done doing medical stuff. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I went to school for HVAC. I got a job. I was doing wonderful, making great money. I could support my family, blah, blah, blah. Years go by. I'm still doing really well. And then um, marriage is still shitty, but I didn't care. You know, I figured it is what it is. And we're going to bring you up to 2015. So I got a job in 2013 at a wonderful place. It was the best job I've ever had in my whole life. It was called Farley White. 
and it was they owned office parks with the office buildings and everything and i did h work uh, hvac work here uh heating air conditioning and all that for them in-house and dude i was making um like 40 bucks an hour i had the best insurance i um we had a baby on the way so i told my wife we make plenty of money now you stay home take care of the baby blah 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 we had the kid and it, everything went to shit from there marriage was over we didn't really get along anymore it was more like we were roommates and i started going downhill again and she started lashing out again calling me loser this and that i said you know what i'm not doing this anymore i'm checking out so i had made my plan and this is i i if anybody hears this, I made my plan three months before I committed the act. And the reason why is because I had to plan it out perfectly because I had failed before. And I wasn't going to let that happen. So I planned everything out. I was going to get a gun. I was just going to end it, go out in the field, call 911, saying that's over, blah, blah, blah. This is where I'm at come pick my body up well i i don't know if anybody's ever been in this position but when you make your plan and everything's set in stone you think in your head it's like all the weight was lifted off your shoulders like i started to feel good i started i was like happy and i was like because i knew it was almost over the struggle was almost over so I um, I just happened to be at work, and I uh, they had a Christmas party at work. And there was another reason I love this company, because their Christmas parties, there was only like 40 of us. But they would spend legitimately like $20,000 on this Christmas party. And they'd take us down to Boston and limos and, you know, all you can eat, all you can drink, blah, blah, blah. Well, my wife would never go. Thank God. And this last one, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tear it up because this is like my last goodbye. So I started drinking. I was drinking vodka tonics. I must have had about 15 of them. I'm not kidding. And I met a girl. She was the bartender. And we just started talking. And uh, her name was Courtney. And we just hit it off, started talking. and. I was like, you know what? I already got my plan. I'm going to go and spend some time with her, maybe be happy for the last month or so of my life, and then go out with a bang. And yeah, that's not how it worked. Nothing goes as planned, <laughs> as you know, nothing does. So I didn't care anymore. Um, we, we were going into some financial shit because we had a tax bill from years ago and it finally caught up with us and they started taking like half my paycheck, the IRS. And I was like, you can't do that. I got a family. I got to pay these bills and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, sorry with the IRS. We can do what we want. And I'm like, okay. So work <clears throat> gave me credit cards and uh, to buy, you know, materials and stuff for work. I used those 
and was buying gift cards with them. And then I'd sell them at the pawn shops for cash to help, you know, feed my wife, feed the, you know, we had the baby come in and everything. And so I didn't care because I was going to die. The kid was born. I extended out my plan a little longer and I kept telling myself, you know, you're no good for your kid. You're no good for anybody. And yeah, so it came down to it where I was kind of backed in the corner because I had racked up all these bills on the credit cards from work. And I'm like, well, they're going to find out sooner rather than later. So I was backed into a corner and I said, yep, this is it. So April 10th of 2016, I told my wife, she goes, why ain't you going to work? And I said, oh, I'm working nights tonight. I got to come in because sometimes I did that. And she goes, okay, well, me and Henry are going to, I'm going to take Henry to my parents' house and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. And I gave my kid the biggest hug and kiss because I knew this was the last time I was going to see him. And I, um, yeah, I couldn't. I didn't have enough money to buy a gun, but I knew my buddy John, who lived down the road, had a shit ton of guns, and I know where he kept them. So I went to his house, knew he wasn't home, knew where the key was, went in, grabbed a uh, Smith & Wesson 45 ACP. I figured for anything, that'll blow the back of my head off. All done. Good to go. I went to a field. Um uh, smoked a joint said goodbye uh called 911 told them where i was and the guy kept don't hang up don't hang up i said i have to hang up because if i don't i won't do it so i hung up with him and i put the gun in here and um this time i did it i pulled that fucking trigger but for some reason Thank God for John never, ever, ever, ever cleaning his guns. That is the only reason I am alive today is because he didn't clean and it jammed. And I still have the bullet today. It And I'm not going to lie. I pulled the trigger and it clicked and I peed myself. I pissed all over myself. And I, and then that's when I heard it. And that's when the cruiser came up and he drove right into the field and he parked his car strategically and he got behind it and he was trying to talk to me. And all I was doing crying saying, I'm the failure second time. And it didn't work again. And I was just, I was done. I bawled and bawled. And then uh, next thing I know, the SWAT team was there. And then uh, I I still had the gun in my hand. And they just told me, just, just throw it away. Just throw it. And I, and I did. I threw it. And then they came in. And um, I figured uh, they were going to tackle me to the ground and handcuff me and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't. Each one of them took the time. And they hugged me. Each one of them, they all stood in a line and they hugged me and they said, thank you. Thank you so much for not doing it. Thank you. 
And I, I cried and I said, after the gun jammed, you were there. And I said, I couldn't, I couldn't do that to them. I couldn't let that, you know, like you see it, you know what I mean? Like, how could I do that to them? Let that be the last thing they see of me is me blowing my head off. So I, I couldn't do it. So from there, they brought me uh, to a hospital and I uh, was in uh, Franklin, New Hampshire at a regular hospital. And I thought, oh, here we go again, civilians. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to do anything. Uh, one of the cops was a service uh, army. And he got in, in touch with a company called Vets Count. And this guy named Josh uh, Ayers came to the hospital. And he sat down in my room and he said, listen, I'm prior army. I work for a co company called Vets Count and I'm going to come and take care of you. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you served, you deserve. And I said, okay. I didn't really believe him or anything because everybody, you know, feeds you a line of shit. Um, so he goes, no, trust me, I'm going to help you. So uh, I said, okay. So I finished up my three weeks there. I got out. Uh, my marriage was over. Uh, I was living by myself. And my wife said, you're not going to see your kid ever again. So I said, okay. Um, that night I got home. Uh, my sister picked me up at the hospital. She brought me to a place, uh, place I was living and she goes, you're by yourself. Are you going to be okay? And I said, yeah, 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 I'll be fine. And I go in the house. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to do anything. And the house is empty, which is bad. And then all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And I was, the fuck? It's Josh. And he goes, yeah, I heard you got out. And I'm just coming to check up on you. And I said, uh, I said I'm okay. And then... He knew I wasn't. He goes, all right. He had a 12-pack of beer with him. He goes, let's go have a beer. He goes, I know you don't want to drink or whatever. He goes, let's just have a beer and relax. I said, okay. So we did. And he goes, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to help you get the help you need at the VA. And we're going to get you back on track. And we're going to get your life back together. And you're going to see your son again. And I said, uh, buddy, you're over-promising. And he goes, no, I'm not. He goes, just just be patient with me. I said, okay. And uh, he's getting ready to leave. And uh, he gave me some of the best advice I think I've ever had in my whole life. And I'm going to give it to everybody who listens to this. He asked me um, before he left. What's the one thing you want to do while you're alive for the rest of your life? What is it? He goes, could be anything. What is it? And I said, I want to see my son grow old. Good. Write yourself a letter. He says, write yourself a letter right now. Give yourself goals. And, you know, so you see it on paper. And then he goes, I want you to, I want you to get a box. He goes, and make it look like a present. And he goes, but be able to take the top off. I said, okay. He goes, take that letter, fold it up, 
put it at the bottom. And every year on your son's birthday, you take a picture and you put it in that box. So whenever you feel like you're going to end it all, you pull out that box and you look at those pictures and you read that letter and it says you want to see your son grow up. Well, here you are. You're doing it. You're making it and you're achieving your goal. And uh, uh, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, from there, I turned. It was like that flip of the switch moment. And I said, yep, it's all about my kid now. I'm going to get better. I'm going to, you know, so I did. I got, uh, I started going to therapy. Uh, I went to a group therapy. I uh, had to fight with the VA, you know, here and there, like everybody else does. Yeah, just like you everybody know, else, VA, man. Yeah, the VA giving you another reason to die for your country. <laughs> Uh, but um, no, I uh, I really turned it around, and it was all because of Vets Count and Josh Hares. That group, I they why I was in therapy and stuff like that. They said I don't want you to worry about work. I said I need to work. I said I need money. I need this. He goes, uh-uh. just don't worry about it, dude. They paid my rent. They bought me food. They even. Uh, he would go to where my wife was at the time and bring toys to my son just to make sure he was doing okay. And I mean, the kid was an infant, so he didn't know, but still, I mean, who does that? I don't, nobody. And uh, you have, uh, do you, do you have contact info for vets count? Is it like vetscount.org or something like that? Uh, So what they're through is Easter Seals of New Hampshire. And if you go on to www.easterseals.com and they are a a derivative or something of it, and it's called, and you can look them up to www.vetscount.com. C-O-U-N-T dot com. That's count. And so, yeah, they are, uh, without a doubt, the real deal. And it please, if anybody likes this company, but they're not like, you know, wounded warriors or anything like that. They're not flashy. Or they, they come in under the radar and they just help you. And they don't, you know, they don't need you to, you know, put them in praises everywhere and that's all they do they just come under the radar they take care of you and then they move on but they always like i'm still in contact today with josh because i'll do i i volunteer as much as i can i guess there's a first time for everything i i don't know if they're a non-for-profit don't know so this is josh garner navy corpsman second class on here he is jay Gardner, so it's J-G-A-R-D-N-E-R-0378. He's here on TikTok. Hopefully, he comes back here in a second. I don't know what happened. We were doing just fine, and then all of a sudden, he cut out. He was greenside doc, as we put it. He worked with the uh, the Marines. We are experiencing technical difficulty, folks. I'm waiting for him to try and chime back in, but it doesn't seem like he's doing it. I wonder if he's going to try and email me. 
So that's uh, Vets Count, V-E-T-S-C-O-U-N-T-S. Vets Count, oh, C-O-U-N-T. Vets Count, he's still not back. I don't know how I feel. This kind of sucks. Amanda, he's not back. And it's Easter Seals uh, organization. So I think it's, um, if you guys are familiar with Tackle 22 Fishing, I think Eddie does that through Tackle 22 Fishing as well as the Easter Seals. I think they're like a larger organization, but they allow you to name your non-for-profit, which is pretty awesome. I don't like this camera. It really shows how bald I am. So if you're a veteran or you know a veteran, please reach out, contact me. We can get you on an episode of Article 15 Podcast. It's a Veterans Drinking Vodka production because whenever veterans are drinking vodka, there's normally an Article 15 to follow, right? That's how it goes. Oh, well, shit. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to finish this show without him. I don't mean to be disrespectful, Josh. If you ever do find this, we're going to look up vetscount.org. We'll try that out first. What do you think? I didn't look it up. What the H-E double hockey sticks is going on around here? Well, that's not how you spell count. It's how you spell something that starts with a C, but it's not how you spell count. Vetscount.org. Okay, so it is vetscount.org, Veterans Assistance Program and Charities, New Hampshire. So if you're in the New Hampshire area, talking to you, Lieutenant Ham. So it looks like New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, all right. So uh, if you guys get a chance, check out Vets Count, V-E-T-S-C-O-U-N-T. It's Vets Count, V-E-T-S-C-O-U-N-T, VetsCount.org. They are, are an organization in the New England area, so they cover Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Uh, they are a charity. They do help out veterans trying to get their lives back together. It's a program of Easter Seals. E-A-S-T-E-R-S-E-A-L-S. They are supporting of our military families. Uh, We're going to be ending it here. Thank you so very much for coming aboard, Doc. Greatly appreciate you, man, sharing your story. So veterans that are out there, make sure, guys, checking on each other. You have no idea how much it means. Stopping at a veteran's door, you know, a brother or a sister that you know you haven't talked to in a while, give them the call, give them the text. Let them know you're thinking about them. Give the buddy check and know that you're not alone. You are not alone in your feelings. You are not alone in this world. You are not by yourself. There is always somebody that can be there for you. Thank you very much for joining us. God bless.